0: Welcome to Fleet Baptist Church. We hope you enjoy the latest in our teaching series. There's nothing like just being with him with no agenda. Do you know what I mean? There's nothing like just just being there and just just being with him without anything really to pray, even though there is things to pray, but just sitting in someone's presence and just being there, not to get anything, but just to be with someone. And it's so precious. And I believe the, the, the fruit of any church service It's not how good the preacher preaches or how amazing the music sounded, but it's how thick was the presence of God. How tangible was his presence? How much did he show up? How much did he move? And so sometimes things could look a little bit different to your everyday church service because that should be the goal and the priority of church. It's it's like Ruth is talking about the tabernacle, which is the dwelling place of God's spirit as the body of Christ. So, yeah, more of that please, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, I've got a lot to say this morning. I've got a lot to say and I've got a little time to get it in. So bear with me. I'll try and keep it as alive and bright and wonderful as possible. But I hope you just hear my heart in, in all that I communicate and all that I feel that God has put on my heart to share. Um, and that and it falls on good soil. And, it's, and it's, always, it's always, again, like I say, it's always my heart to not just come up here and tickle people's ears and say, oh, that sounded good, but actually to take stuff away that changes hearts, that changes lives, that brings revelation, that brings transformation. I think that should be the goal of anybody that's, that's up here, whether it's worship, whether it's preaching, whether it's in any way, shape or form, if you're discipling people, it shouldn't just be to, to get a good platform, but it's actually to, to change lives. And that for me is my prayer this morning, that whatever we say in, as today and further on, that we, we do change lives and we go away transformed. So this morning we're going to be carrying on our God in our Living series. So Amy gave her the introduction last week. I wasn't here last week, but you're in good hands with the lovely Amos, who did a wonderful job this morning, um, otherwise known as Amy. Um, and the importance of God in my living is that you've got the full Bible. You've got the, the beginning to the end of, of reading in context of, of God in, in the living of the people within the Bible. So you've got Abraham, you've got Isaac, you've got Daniel, you've got David, you've got Joseph, of God showing up in people's living in every, every area of life. So Daniel was in captivity in Babylon. Joseph was in captivity in, in Egypt, right? So in, but God was showing up in everybody's living. And so for us in in this modern day culture, what does it look like for God to be introduced and actively moving in our every single day, in no matter what sphere of influence you're in, in no matter what your day-to-day looks like? What does it look like for God to be alive and active in, in, in our living, in everyday living? And you know, the beauty is that wherever you go, God's spirit will be. Wherever you've gone, God's spirit will be. The psalmist says, where can I flee from your spirit? Therefore, it's impossible for you to be alone. And Psalm 23 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because I know you are with me. And even if you go to the valley, if you go to the depths, he is with you. And, and, and for me, I've, I've felt like I've been in the valley this last week. I, re- I really do. And for a lot, it's just been so difficult. And I haven't always felt God with me. But the truth is he is with me. And we don't go on feelings, we go by faith. And no matter how dark your situation may be, there is no darkness that God can't light up, right? There's no place that he will not go. And that's the importance of us introducing God into our living. Are you with me? And what does that look like for us in our spheres of influence? No matter where we are, that's what we want to do. We want to see God move from just a Sunday morning to every single day of the week, into our dreams, into our visions, into our waking, into our sleeping. Every single part of our lives to be full of God and his presence. So this morning, I want, to, I want to actually propose that the key to unlocking all of God's fullness in our full day-to-days is, is wrapped up in this one thing, and I want, to just, I, want to, I want to speak specifically about this today, and that's prayer. And specifically, I want to look at the model of prayer that Jesus presented on the earth. You know, I'm sure you guys have heard thousands of sermons on prayer. You can go to Google, you can go online and find so many resources on prayer and the importance of prayer. But this morning, I want to look at how Jesus modelled prayer and how important it was for him to pray. And the reality is, that in my life, for me, I hold my hands up and say, in my life, the reality of what stops prayer the most and hinders prayer the most Is often busyness. In this modern-day culture, we are very, very busy people. You know, and we can make every excuse in the book. And we may say, "Well, I've, I've, you know, I've got, I've got bills to pay. I've got to work, and I'm just so tired when I come home. I've got the kids. I've got dinner to make, and I'm just so tired." And all these kind of things, which are, you know, you're allowed to have those reasons. But the reality is, it's never come as a priority over prayer. And if we are too busy, the simple, perhaps simplicity of it is that we make time, and you may even think, for, you may even think, okay, well, I'm fulfilling God's will in my life. I'm I'm out I'm out raising the dead. I'm out healing the sick. I'm out fulfilling the purpose of God in my life. I'm doing what He's called me to do. I'm, I've started my own business, and I'm trying to reach the business people of the earth. And I'm just I'm just pouring my heart and soul into this business because I feel like God has told me to do that. And I just don't have time to pray. I just I would. And, 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 and again, we use the excuse, which is an excuse, God loves to hear from you, he loves to talk with you. I, I'll pray in the car, or I'll pray on the way to work, or I'll pray on, you know, in the, on the train, or when I'm walking. And that's great, God loves to hear from you, he loves to talk with you. I love any engagement with my children. But there's nothing like giving someone your full attention. Do you know what I mean? No phones, no tablets, no nothing, just full attention, you and God, time set aside. And I'm, I'm a, as much a part of this as anybody else. So please hear my heart in this. That I'm, I don't, I'm not claiming to be something that I'm not. But I know that it's a call that God has put on not just my life but our lives. And we've got the life of Jesus Christ who, who came to save us from sin. Who came for us to have entry into heaven when we die but we're in our, in our here and now. He came to destroy the works of the enemy. He came to overcome evil by doing good. And he was fulfilling the purpose of God. Right? he had every reason to say well actually I'm doing all this stuff I don't really need to pray when actually the priority of prayer on Jesus' life came above everything and I want to propose to you today that it was the source and the reason and the well that he could do all the things he did you know Jesus it, the Bible tells us we're going to read a few verses in a minute the Bible tells us that Jesus would spend the night in prayer I'd probably make it to 10 o'clock and I'm out a bit of advice try not to pray in bed or on bed, I'm like, I'll just, I'll get on the floor. I'll just get on my knee. I'll, I'll kneel on the bed. I'll just put my head on the pillow and I'll pray. I'll just close my eyes and pray. And then before you know it, you're asleep. <laughs> Anybody relate to that? Anybody? Yeah, there we go. Try and avoid the bedroom <laughs> or a comfortable place. And Jesus would often spend hours in prayer. Luke six twelve said this. He would spend the night up the mountains praying to God. The night up. The mountains praying to God's core—that's cool. some resilience, eh? To really push through, and he must have really loved it as well. It's easy to do the things you love, isn't it? Luke five fifteen says this. Yet the news about Jesus spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him, came to hear him, and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. You know, you know, the Bible tells that Jesus was surrounded by towns, by villages. We read stories of, of Jesus encountering people. You've got the woman who was bleeding all her life. And Jesus says, who touched me? And the disciples are like, Lord, you're crazy. Everyone's touching you. And he's like, no, someone touched me. And we know the woman reached out to, to get healing. She was desperate. She reached the hem of his garment. So we, and the Bible tells you he was surrounded on every side, and you've got this, this, the feeling of the 5,000. To have 5,000 people gathered around one man, and that wasn't including women and children. He obviously multiplied the bread, he obviously multiplied the fish, but to have that many people around you, he was a busy man. He had every reason to say, I'm, I'm fulfilling the purpose of God in my life, I don't really need a prayer, I'm just going to get some rest tonight, you know, this kind of stuff, you know? And God doesn't get angry at his kids for falling asleep. I would never get angry at my kids sleeping. We've got to understand the heart of God in this. So we can't get religious about this, okay? God's not going to slap you if you fall asleep. He's not like that. That's not his nature. But Jesus had every reason to not do it, to, 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 to have an extra hour's sleep, whatever it may be. But the reality is, moves of God don't happen by accident. They take prayer, they take effort, they take discipline, they take understanding knowledge, they take unlocking knowledge. And I guarantee that if we truly knew the power of prayer as Jesus did, it would be hard not to pray for hours on end. If we truly knew the power of our prayers and how much they affect not just the physical atmosphere but the spiritual atmosphere, we would be praying just as much as Jesus did. Jesus prayed more in a day than most of us do in a month. And this was God on earth. And if he needed to pray that much, how much more do we need to pray? Are you with me? Is this making sense? And you've got revivalists. I was reading about um, D.L. Moody, who was one of the revivalists of old. And what he would do before he came to a town or a city, he would send intercessors, a, a prayers in other words, to the city ahead of him to pray. They would, they would find a basement and they would pray for hours and hours and hours and, just, just declare, and preparing the ground for what was about to come. Because he knew and understood the importance of prayer and how much it changes the atmosphere and how, much it's, how important it is to align with the will of God and to speak the will of God into an atmosphere. Revival moves of God don't happen by accident. And I guarantee the moves that have happened through Jesus' life were sourced from his intimate time and praying with his Father up the mountains in the lonely places. Question for you. See if you can relate to this. Have you, have, you ever, have you ever been around someone that you just come away from their presence by listening to them and you just come away like inspired, right? So you could, away, you could come away from a terrific Bible teacher and come away thinking, I need to read my Bible. I really want to know the Bible. This guy just opens up the Bible like, I, like never before. And I want to go home and read it and understand it and just, just dig into the Bible, or you may, you may have heard testimonies of people, someone living a lifestyle of Christianity that's just inspiring to you and you want to you get hold of what they're doing or the way they're teaching. Do you know what I mean? Can you relate to this? And you get people that just spur you on and drive you. It's often off the back of a conference that you just want to go and change everything. And we kind, of, we kind of find ourselves in this situation with the disciples. And I believe that Jesus modelled prayer so, so powerfully and put such a high emphasis on it that we find ourselves in this situation where the disciples come to him. And they say in Luke 11.1, 1, they said, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. Again, he was praying. And so When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples to pray. And we know what comes next as you pray pray this our father who art in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done but i believe that jesus set the example the disciples were so inspired by how much he prayed and how much he withdrew to pray and the length that he prayed and the power they saw in their prayer that they they were like how do you how, how do i do that jesus how do we do that Can you can you teach us how to pray how how do we do that are you with me does that make sense? And for me, I want to do this because prayer doesn't have to be the way that we've experienced it. And I want to suggest to you that prayer isn't how we've experienced It isn't how I've experienced it. My, my nan has got a, a beautiful pink bedroom. hasn't been painted in about 100 years. <laughs> and, and I always remember going in as a kid, and even now, my mum currently, currently lives with us, so we see her a bit more often. And on, on the on her bedroom wall she's got this beautiful painting of Jesus. You know, perfectly shampooed hair, lovely moisturized skin, lovely garments. Jesus is looking outstanding. And he's and he's he's on his knees and he's got his hands together, his eyes are up to heaven, and it's just such a holy moment, right? Do, can we recognise those pictures? You know, you know what I'm talking about. And I, I love my nan, she's so been so faithful. 50, 70 years going to church and praying and just so faithful serving on teams and things like that. But my point is, I'm sure it did look like that. I'm sure it did. But there's other, incli- there's other implications in the Bible that says it also looked a bit differently. And we actually get an, in- we get an inside information from Hebrews about how Jesus prayed and what he would pray like. It wasn't just as simple as knees, hands together, eyes up to heaven, silky hair, lovely hands, you know, mm-hmm. lovely robes. And so we get one bit of inside information with um, when Jesus goes up the mountain and he takes two of the disciples with him. And two special guests turn up. Special guests are Moses and Elijah. You know, that's a bit bonkers, right? It wasn't just Jesus on his knees, he, he's, he's going beyond what the physical atmosphere is and, he's, and he's, 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 he's adapting in the will of God and moving in the Spirit of God. He's moving with the eyes of his heart and, it wasn't, and it, he was engaging with his friends of old, I'm assuming. And Peter says, oh, should we, they're just a bit freaked out. Should we set up a tent, Lord, for these things? And, and there's this dialogue. And that just gives us a bit of inside information about what prayer would have looked like with Jesus. It wasn't always boring. <laughs> I'm sure it was very, very exciting at times. And so Hebrews gives us a bit more information as well about how Jesus would have prayed. Hebrews 5 verse 7 says this. While Jesus was here on the earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with loud cries and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. So if we're like a fly on the wall of hearing the prayers of Jesus, not only is he engaging Moses and Elijah apparently, and probably engaging the presence of his father, but he's got this groaning, this compassion, this heart that's overflowing within him that's coming out in tears, that's coming out with pleadings. It wasn't just this, this monotone, silky-haired Jesus. Oh, do you know what I mean? <laughs> there was passion in his prayers. And if you want to read more about his prayers, look at John 16, 17, I believe, where it comes, Jesus does this incredible prayer. And it's where he talks about, you know, Lord, make them one as we are one. And he says, this is eternal life, that they may know you. We get an insider of what, the prayer language of Jesus. And, and I truly believe sometimes that we can miss out on all that God has for us, just because of our, our half-heartedness of prayers. Sometimes we're just praying what we feel is the right thing to say. And the question is, how hungry are you? The question is for me, how hungry are, How hungry am I? Are we praying from our mouths? Are we praying from our hearts? Are we praying from our heads? Are we praying from our hearts? I believe that our hearts affect his heart more than our mouths do. Let's read together. John 11:17, famous story of the wonderful Lazarus. It should be on the screen for you. We're going to uh, well, I'll tell you that later. OK, John 11:17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. While Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Just pay attention to this right now, okay? So this is Martha. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, "Your brother will rise again." Martha answered, "I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day." You've then got some dialogue where Jesus talks about being the resurrection and life, and they just they have a bit of a conversation. and Jesus talks, but let's go down to verse thirty-one. Let's let's notice the difference, okay, in prayers between Mary and Martha. Remember, Mary was the one who chose the better thing, which was to sit at the feet of Jesus. We, we know that story. Mary, it was Mary who was the one, so we're going to read Mary's Mary's one now. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Mary sprints out to the feet of Jesus. She sprints out and she falls at his feet, weeping, crying. In desperation, her heart is in a totally different posture. (laughs) She falls at the feet of Jesus. She doesn't just fall, but she sprints. When was the last time we sprinted to Jesus? His presence is the place where he's going to be. That secret place, she sprints to Jesus, she falls at his feet weeping, and she says, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And we read that she moved the heart of God so much that she moved the heart of Jesus, who was fully God, so much, that we then get the most, one of the most famous verses, the shortest verse in the Bible, come forth. Jesus wept. And I don't believe it was a little dab of his, you know, he got his hanky out and just dabbed his cheeks. It wasn't just a little few tears. I believe Jesus wailed. When you hear about the groans and the, the, the tears that he would have prayed in the secret place and the compassion that he has upon the, the sick and the needy, I believe that Jesus wouldn't have cried for, for 30 seconds and then got embarrassed. He would have really wailed, I believe my point here is this, that the, the prayer of Mary moved the heart of God. And the heart of Mary was not held back. She didn't care about what people thought. She didn't care. She just wanted to pour out her, her desperate need at the feet of Jesus. Again, she was there at the feet of Jesus. With her tears being poured out, moving the heart of God. Salvation Army. Salvation Army started by William Booth. Some of you may know this story. And some of the guys are in a local town. And they're, re- they're really struggling. They're laboring a lot. They're having a hard time. Right? They're having a hard time just getting any fruit. You know what it's like? You feel like you're ticking all the boxes. You've prayed all the prayers. You've, you've just done everything. You've anointed all the lampposts. And they just... They, they message... They write a letter to William Booth and they say... William Booth that we've, we've, we've tried everything and nothing seems to work and again William, and William Booth sends a two worded letter back and he says this he says try tears because he knew the importance of how our, our, our hearts can move God's heart are you with me? And sometimes it's asking God to change our hearts, that we would move from half-heartedness and just apathy and feeling like we're saying the right thing to actually having a heart, the heart of Jesus, the prayer life of Jesus. And it's not just Jesus. He wasn't just praying a lot on the earth, but the Hebrew, Hebrew says that he intercedes for us even now. So he must really love prayer. It must be really, really important. Matthew 6 I really enjoy the book of Matthew because that's what Jesus just. If you want to get rid of religion in your life, read the book of Matthew. Jesus just like gets a baseball bat and just knocks out religion. I love it. Matthew 6, Jesus is talking about prayer. And he says this, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to receive your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, that word hypocrites in Greek, I don't actually know the word, but the word, so if you go from hypo to crits, so it it basically means masked actor. He's saying, don't, don't be a masked actor like these Pharisees don't pretend, don't do it for other people to think you're all holy and wonderful. Pray from your heart, go into the secret place and be authentic with your Father. Are you with me? God loves your heart. He loves your heart. And and your heart can move his heart. And that's the importance of not being a masked actor. We might be masked right now, (laughs) physically, but we don't have to act. I'm coming into it now. Jesus in the temple. We know the story when Jesus... It's the famous verse of Jesus getting angry. And I think they're preparing for Passover, so they're kind of selling all these animals and things in order to sell to Jews for Passover animals and all this kind of stuff. And Jesus comes in, creates a whip, turns over the table. Do you remember what he says? He says this. He says, It is written... He said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer. That means that you and I now as temples of God, you are to be called and known as a house of prayer. And so many things, so many things in our hearts get set up in the way. Sometimes we set up stools of little things, don't we? In our hearts that sometimes Jesus needs to drive out or we need to just turn the tables in our hearts. But the bottom line is that you are called to be a house of prayer. So I'd encourage you today, church. If you've got a busy diary, put in an appointment each week, each day, with a very important client called Jesus. Because I believe God is sending out an invitation for you here today to, to go further, to go deeper, to experience what he experienced and to pray how he prayed. Because there is there's lives on the line, there is a war at hand, the war has already been won, but our prayers change everything. Atmosphere our prayers change atmospheres. And, you know, Jesus said in his, the famous prayer, the template of prayer, Our Father in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done. And the importance of prayer is that we we don't stop praying until his heaven his his kingdom is on earth. Are you with me? and that's the importance of why we pray, why we commune, why we, why we sometimes give up privileges, sometimes give up a bit of sleep, and we, we devote ourselves to prayer, as Paul tells us to do, and we pray without ceasing, because we know, not only do we imitate Jesus in that, but we're partnering with the will of God, and releasing heaven on earth. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that you're still praying for us even now. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would just come and increase your presence in this place. That you would change the way that I pray. You would change the way that we pray, Lord, and we would truly change this world. We would truly change this town. Our neighbours would be changed. Our councils will be changed. Our shops will be changed. Our, this 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 town will be a kingdom town from the power of our prayers. That our lives, our futures, would look totally outrageous from the power of our prayers, Lord. That we would become so addicted. To spending time with you, that you would just take us out out, out of the um, usual expectation of what prayer looks like, Lord, and you would take us into deeper waters. That we would see your face, we would pray the prayers that you are praying, we'd be caught up with all of heaven to and hear the voice of Jesus interceding on our behalf. And Father, I pray right now in each and every one of us, you would ignite a fire to pray, to listen be authentic that our hearts would fully be engaged in prayer we would give you our full attention and Father we would see your kingdom come we would see your kingdom come we will see this place as a sickness free zone by the power of your kingdom manifesting in this very building in this body of believers. We love you. We love you, Jesus. And Father, we we accept your invitation. I accept your invitation to go deeper, to go beyond what I already understand of what prayer is. That we'd be more intimate with you than ever before. In the mighty name of Yeshua, Jesus In the mighty name of Yahweh, the King of the universe, we pray. And in the mighty name of Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, we thank you for where you're taking us, Jesus.